Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Open your Bible with me, if you would, to the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off this morning. That would have been better. If you had been here this morning, you could have heard more and that would help. But, another, but you can still latch on where we are tonight. Amen. There'll be enough explanation. You'll be able to get a lot out of it tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. We're talking about faith for the last days. Thank you for that enthusiasm. <laughs> Try to contain yourself. It's a holiday weekend. You don't want to get overworked. <laughs> Hallelujah. These are the last days, and it takes faith in the last days to accomplish the work of God, to fulfill the plan of God, to do what he's called us to do, to be who he's made us to be, to walk in what he's provided for us. It will, it does take faith. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Faith is what moves the hand of God. Need doesn't move God. If need moved God, then everybody's need would be met. No, it takes faith to move God into action. Amen? Glory to God. Have you found the fourth chapter of Romans? Well, before we read it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We know that the entrance of your word brings light. It brings illumination and direction, revelation into our spirits, Lord, enlightening us. Glory to God. We expect to receive understanding and enlightenment, revelation knowledge from the word of God tonight. Because the Holy Spirit who inspired the writers to write these things lives on the inside of each one of us. Glory to God. Because we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit will rise up as our teacher and as the one who takes the words of Jesus and the words of the scripture and explains them to us and reminds us of these things. Glory to God. We look to him tonight to bring understanding. Glory to God. We thank you, Father, that you'll not only bring understanding of the word, but you will confirm your word tonight. Glory to God. Oh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to teach for a few minutes and then I'm going to minister to the sick. And I hadn't planned to do that tonight, but the Spirit of the Lord uh, stirred me up during uh, praise and worship. I'm going to minister to the sick. And so we won't make this real long teaching tonight, but we'll get into it. But if you're, gonna, if you're sick in body, <clears throat> if you have any kind of infirmity and you want God to heal you, I need you to pay, you need to pay very close attention to what's being said tonight. Amen. So that you can cooperate with God's healing power. So that you can act on what you know and what you hear. Amen. And so we ask you to give attention to the word of God Open your hearts and your understanding to it. Amen. In Romans chapter 4 verse 3 it says, But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. As I mentioned this morning, the the Barclays translation of this verse, which is my favorite translation of this verse, (coughs) says it like this. Abraham took God at his word. You know, that's what believing God is. You never believe God unless you take him at his word. 
God and his word are one. God says what he means and means what he says. And you can't separate what he says from who he is. He will do what he said he will do. And so it says here, I like this translation. It says, when Abraham believed God, it says, Abraham took God at his word. I encourage you tonight to take God at his word. Take God at his word. And then it says, it says, Abraham took God at his word. And this act of faith was was accepted as putting him into right relationship with God. That's the other part of that. This act of faith. Faith is an act. You never receive anything from the Lord until you act on it in faith. When you act on the word, when you act on his promise, boldly, confidently act on the word, the results are forthcoming. God will do what he says, said he will do when we believe and act on the word. Amen? Let's go then over to James chapter 2. We looked at this this morning, James chapter 2. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We won't read all of this. We read verses 14 down through verse 23. Uh, But let's just take the highlights tonight. Verse Verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Like I pointed out this morning, the Weymouth translation, when it talks about uh, uh, works, in other words, back up in verse 14, it says, what does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? Save him. The Weymouth translation says, if a man, uh, what, what does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith, but his actions do not correspond. I think that's an important distinction. Works, as it's being talked about in, in uh, James chapter 2, is not the same kind of works that we're, talked about, we're told, uh, told about. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for, for by grace you were saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Those are works, then we're all familiar with that because a lot of people today still think that they have to earn their salvation by works. I talk to people a lot of times, you know, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Well, I hope I am. Well, what, what, what do you base your hope on? What makes you think you're going to heaven? Well, I try to be a good person. I try to treat my fellow man right. I I do this, I do that, I try to be a good parent, I try to be an example to my kids, I pick up trash, you know, on the side side of the roads, I take in stray puppies, you know, people have all kind of crazy things that they think will cause God to move on their behalf or or to show favor to them, And, and the Bible says that it's not. Titus says it's not by works of right, works, uh, 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 let's look at it. We're here in James. Look at it. Glory to God. Titus, let's see, it's in uh, the second, third chapter. Yeah, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we know that on the one hand, those kinds of works Uh, we've been told to lay them aside, put aside our own good works and come to God on his mercy. So that, that has been established. Well, that has to be talking about something different in James chapter two or else the word of God contradicts itself. 
Well, we know the word of God does not contradict himself. And if you read the context here, you'll see that he's not talking about the same kind of words. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says, says he has faith but does not have corresponding actions? Can faith save him? Well, faith does save, but there's some corresponding actions that go along with it. How many of you have met people in the workplace that claim to be saved? They claim to be a Christian. And, and yet you examine their lives and there's no evidence of salvation. In fact, there's ev- evidence of everything but salvation. I mean, they live like the devil, talk like the devil, you know, and just uh, love things that are in the world. I mean, there's just no uh, uh, sense about them, though you're not trying to judge people, but you see the fruit in people's lives. And there doesn't seem to be any evidence of eternal life or salvation, and yet they claim to be Christians. Well, they don't have corresponding actions. Isn't that right? Something hasn't happened. They say they've believed, but the Bible says you believe and then you act on what you believe. So that's what this is talking about. But does, and yet his actions do not correspond. And so we'll talk about these works as being corresponding actions. Verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have corresponding actions, is dead. And then verse 22 says, do you not see that faith was working together with his corresponding actions and by corresponding actions, Faith was made perfect or complete. Amen. Well, we talked about this this morning. We, we gave an illustration. I took a little time and gave some il- an illustration from uh, Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen's life, how God raised him up from a deathbed when he was 16 years old and had been paralyzed and been bedridden for 16 months. And uh, I think he might have been 17, but about that, about that age. And God raised him up and how he acted Uh, on faith, how he took God at his word and acted on his faith. Let's look at some Bible examples of this. Go over with me to the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14. Hallelujah. The entrance of God's word gives light, illumination, and understanding. Praise God. Verse 7 says that there, well, let's, 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 uh, let's start in verse 6. They became aware of it, the threat against them, and they fled to Lystra and Derby. that is Paul and his uh, company. They fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region, and there they were preaching the gospel. Now notice, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had excuse me, who had never walked. Now, if you have your Bible, you need to look on tonight. Don't just, don't just listen to me. Read your Bible uh, along with me because you, see, it's not just what I say, it's what God's Word says. You need to know what the Bible says for yourself, not just because you heard it. You need to see, and you also need to know where it is. You need to be able to find it when you go home and tomorrow and the next day. You need to be able to see what we're talking about. If you don't have a Bible, if there's somebody next to you, they'll share their Bible with you. Just slide over, you know, and look on together with them. Amen? So it says that uh, at Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Now, what was Paul speaking? Was Paul just giving a speech? No, it says in verse 7 that they were preaching the gospel there. So he heard Paul speaking, preaching the gospel. And Paul, observing this man intently and seeing 
that he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now let's, let's break this story down and see what actually happened here. Paul and, and uh, his company, they're traveling throughout the area that's called Galatia. In the, in the New Testament, remember Paul wrote an epistle to the Galatians. Well, these were the towns and cities in that region called Galatia. And they were traveling around and uh, they came to Lystra. And it says they were preaching the gospel. And there was a man sitting there, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Now, you could imagine a grown man, an adult, who had never walked from his birth. He was crippled. You know that his uh, legs, his lower extremities, you know that they are uh, emaciated and, and weak and not developed like they should be because he's never exercised. He's never been able to walk. He's never walked in his entire life. And so while Paul is preaching and speaking, he observed this man intently. Something about him got Paul's attention. In other words, it wasn't a casual glance. He didn't just glance over him like I glance over the crowd. I see all of you, but I don't really uh, take special you know, attention to anybody. But uh, something about this man got his attention. And said, he said that Paul, uh, observing him intently... And seeing that he had, he had faith to be healed. Now, if you stop right there, the man has faith to be healed. It doesn't say that he was trying to get faith. It says he had faith. Now, how did he get faith? It, it came from what Paul preached. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more in, in, uh, in another lesson, but it's good to go over and establish this tonight. Go over with me to Romans chapter 10. Hold your place there in in Acts chapter 14. We're going to come right back. In Acts chapter 10, it tells us precisely how faith comes. A lot of people have the idea that faith comes uh, by the sovereignty of God, that God just decides to bless certain people with faith. He just endows certain people with faith, strong faith. Other people are not so endowed, and so their faith is weaker. And so uh, people a lot of times put all of the, uh, of the obligation and all the responsibility on God, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, we know that's true because Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, read it uh, earlier in this, in this series, Jesus said, have faith in God. Well, if Jesus said, have faith in God, then it's certainly not just up to God as, as, as to who has, has faith. It couldn't just be up to him because Jesus said, have it. If it wasn't for everybody, if everybody couldn't have faith, then why in the world would Jesus tell us to have faith? He would be requiring something from us that we couldn't get and that we couldn't have. Isn't that right? When Jesus said, have faith in God, that means we can have it. And it also means if we don't have it, then it's not God's fault. Now, people don't like to have the responsibility put on them, but, you know, at some point you just have to learn the truth, that the responsibility for a lot of these things are on us. If whether or not we have faith is up to us, it's not up to God. And God tells us exactly how it comes, and what we're about to read is the way it comes and the only way it comes. Are you there in Romans chapter 10? Verse 17 says, well, let's start in verse 16. Well, let's start in verse 14. 
What then shall they, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Now notice, a person couldn't believe unless they'd heard. Isn't that right? They can't believe unless they hear, and they can't hear unless somebody preaches. So this is not just talking about hearing anything, it's talking about hearing preaching, hearing the gospel. And, and, then, and preachers won't preach unless they're sent. Amen. Now let's drop down to verse number 16. Uh, let's see, verse, uh, verse, yeah, verse 16. But they, shall, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, this tells us exactly how faith comes. Actually, there's a, there's a book that I have in my library called Word Meetings in the New Testament. It's written by a man named uh, Early, Ralph Early. And uh, he, was, he was, I don't know if he's still alive, but at the time that he wrote it, he was the distinguished professor of New Testament studies at the Nazarene Theological Seminary. And so he, he was a Greek scholar, and he wrote this book on, on the meanings of, of different words in the New Testament. And he makes this, state, this statement, if I can read it here, I wrote it real small. He says, earlier Bible translations frequently fail to distinguish between Greek prepositions with different meanings. Here, the first preposition, by, notice so then faith comes by hearing. He said the first preposition here, by is ek, and it means out. And the second preposition is dia, and it means through. So there are different meanings in these two words. And he says, uh, so then, what this means then, that this should read, so then faith comes by hearing. It comes, no, excuse me. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So faith only comes from hearing and only hearing the word of God. Faith comes uh, uh, from hearing and hearing through the word. The word of God is full of faith. Every time God speaks, his words are full of faith. They are faith-endowing words, faith uh, imparting words, faith infusing words. Those words are full of faith. And when you hear them and you, and you, and it registers on your spirit, faith always comes. Faith comes by hearing the word. It doesn't come any other way. A lot of people have the idea that they can pray for faith. Oh Lord, give me more faith. Lord, give me more faith. But faith doesn't come by praying for it. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told to pray for faith. Not one time. You search it out, run your references, you won't see one place where we're told to pray for faith. We're told to have faith. We're not told to pray for it. We're told to have it, and we're told how to have it, and this is the only way to have it, but it's the sure way to have it. It's the guaranteed way to have it. Faith always comes with the Word. I mean, faith and the Word just go together. It's like water and wet. They just go together. They're inherent. Isn't that right? You get the water, you get the wet. You don't have, you don't have, to, you don't have to try to get wet. When you touch the water, you're wet. 
Isn't that right? Well, by the same token, faith comes with the word. When you get the word, you get the faith. But you have to get the word down on the inside of you. It's not, faith is not a mental thing. Faith is a spiritual thing. Faith is not a, an action of your mind. Faith is a response. It's something that comes up out of your inward man, out of your spirit man. When the word gets in there and the understanding of it comes, suddenly the light turns on. Have you ever? That's where the expression comes, I saw the light. You've heard that expression all of your life. Well, I suddenly saw the light. What's that talking about? It's talking about a sudden epiphany, a sudden revelation, a sudden uh, quickening of your mind and your spirit. Suddenly you see it. What is that talking about? It's talking about that revelation, that illumination that comes when the word goes off on the inside of you. You're reading the scripture maybe that you've read a hundred times before and you're reading and suddenly the spirit of God opens your eyes and you see it, you see it, you see it. Oh, now I see what he's talking about. What is that? Faith just came. Now you can act on it. Well, this man back in our, in our story there in Acts chapter 14, go back with me. This man heard Paul preaching and that's how he had faith. He says that this, this man uh, heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now again, how did he get faith? He got faith from what he heard. Now this is a little side journey and I've, and I've down, been down this journey before, before, down this little side road, but I'm gonna go down it again because it's good. There's a little side note here. Paul must have been preaching something about healing. Or else the man wouldn't have had faith for healing. Paul, observing him intently, he saw that he had faith to be healed. So there had to be something that Paul spoke about, something that he preached that, that would give a person that faith to be healed. In other words, in what was he preaching? He was preaching the gospel. In other words, there must some, be something about the gospel and healing. They must go together. Amen. Now, if, if this man was alive today and he heard a lot of not being critical of anybody, now I'm not calling anybody out, but we can just understand these are the way things happen. If, if this man was alive today and he heard what a lot of people call the gospel, he wouldn't have had any faith to be healed. Because what a lot of people call the gospel today denies healing. There are a lot of people today, they say they're preaching the gospel and they'll tell you that healing has passed away. That God doesn't heal people, or if he does, he's, if he just, just decides to heal some people, he might, but he usually won't because it's not his will. Miracles are past. God doesn't move those ways. You shouldn't expect. Well, you, you wouldn't get faith for healing out of hearing that. Now, isn't that right? That would, that would take away your faith for healing. Yeah, I mean, if you had any before you came in, that would drain you of your faith. So the gospel that Paul preached had to have included healing or this man couldn't have had faith for healing. So Paul's preaching the gospel. It includes healing. And it says that he observed this man and he observed that he had faith to be healed. Well, let's stop right there. This man is in Paul's meeting. He's, been a, he's a cripple. He's been a cripple since birth. He's never walked in his life. Of course, he wants to walk. He hears the gospel. He hears that in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the good news of Jesus, that, that it also offers healing for the body. 
How do we know that? Because how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, Acts 8, verse 38, 4, uh, 838. How God anointed Jesus, 1038. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were uh, 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 afflicted and, and, uh, of the devil. Isn't that right? Well, praise God. So Jesus was a healer. Everything he did, everywhere he went, people were being healed. So this man heard the gospel, heard that Jesus would heal him. He has faith to be healed. He has faith. But if you stop right there and Paul observes that he has, to be, has faith to be healed, but he turns his attention to somebody else and doesn't think about the man anymore, doesn't say anything to him, just ignores him, goes on with his message, the man stays crippled. In this condition, he has faith to be healed, but he's still crippled. So what Paul did, inspired by the Holy Spirit, no doubt, Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. So what was he telling him to do? He was telling him to act on his faith. He had faith to be healed, but he needed to act. He needed to take his faith and put it into motion. He needed to do something with his faith. He needed to add some corresponding actions to what he believed. Isn't that right? Now, again, you see that he's got faith, but he's not healed. And if you stop right there, here's a man with faith to be healed, and he's not healed. A lot of people are in that condition. A lot of people are in that condition. They have faith to be healed, but they're not healed. Why are they not healed? They're not acting on what they believe. They genuinely believe it. They genuinely believe in their heart, but they're not acting on it. Now, like I said this morning... The principles of faith work in every uh, arena of need in our life. Every kind of situation or need, uh, the principles of faith work the same. It works the same where salvation is concerned. I've prayed with people and and I've talked to people personally and, and worked with people. And they know that Jesus is the Savior. They believe that he died for their sins. They believe he was raised from the dead. They believe he ascended into heaven and sat down at the Father's right hand. They believe salvation is available. They believe God loves it. And I could not persuade them to act on that. Have you ever dealt with anybody like that? I have. I've I've talked to people. and Yes, I know. I know. I believe that. But, and and they have all of these reasons. I'm not ready. I, I'm afraid I'll lose my, my boyfriend. He'll break up with me. I'm afraid my wife won't like it. I, I'm afraid people on, uh, at where I work or my friends might turn their back on me or this or that or the other. And they refuse to, they believe all right, but they're not saved. They're not saved because they won't act on it. They have saving faith, but saving faith is not enough. You have to put action to it. Well, healing faith is healing faith, but it's not enough by itself. That's why James said faith without corresponding actions is dead. But corresponding actions, working with your faith, will complete your faith. Bring it to maturity. That's why Paul realized, and and no doubt he was inspired of the Holy Spirit. He must have known this by the Holy Spirit. He spoke to the man with a loud voice. Stand up straight on your feet. Now, the man could have responded, I'd love to do that, but I can't. I'm crippled. I've never walked. I can't stand up. If he had responded that way, he would have stayed that way. Now, how, how can a man who's crippled and never walked, 
How can he walk? How can he stand up straight on his feet? Well, he can try. He can put some effort to it. He can act on what he believes. He believes in healing. He believes it's the will of God for him to be healed. What does he need to do? He needs to act on it. And it says he leaped and walked. (laughs) See, when he made the effort... Even though he couldn't, I'm, not, I'm sure his mind was telling him, don't you do what you're thinking about doing because you do. You're going to fall on the floor and everybody's going to look at you and think, well, what an idiot you are. Do you, do you think he thought that? Do you think people's minds operated the same back then as they do now? Yeah. Would the devil say something like that to us today? Sure he would. That's exactly what he does. Don't you do it. You're not, you know you can't walk. You've, you've never walked in your life. What makes you think you can walk now? You can't do it. Don't do it. You can't walk. But what did he do? He acted. He did what he could. And he leaped. And when he leaped, he was made whole. And he walked, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. What did he do? He put actions. He put actions to it. Amen. Let's go over to the third chapter of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 3. We'll see the same thing. I want to give you some Bible examples so you'll know that what we're saying is, is proven out by the scriptures. Mark chapter 3, Jesus entered the synagogue, this is verse 1, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him, the religious leaders watched him, synagogue leaders, watched Jesus closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. They had this, this rule that you weren't supposed to be healed on the Sabbath. And, and they said this, they said, you know, we have seven days, you know, for, for six other days, rather, for a man to be healed, let him come and be healed on one of those other days, but not on the Sabbath. But you see, they were hypocrites because nobody was being healed the other six days. You see, if you have all kind of hypocrites today saying all kind of things, when you analyze it, it, it doesn't play out very well, it doesn't pan out. They were saying he ought to come on the other six days. Well, he had been there those other six days and he hadn't been healed. Amen. Glory to God. So, uh, they, 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 so they said, well, it's wrong to heal on the Sabbath. And so they watched him so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Now, he could do that. His feet weren't withered, just his hands. His hand, isn't that right? So he told the man, step forward. Then he said to the rest of them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Now, jumping forward a little bit, we know that he healed the man. And so healing is doing good. He said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? Healing is good. Sickness is evil. Healing is good. Sickness is evil. Notice what category Jesus put the man's healing in. Is it lawful to do on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Healing is saving life. Not being healed is killing. Now, you see, people die slowly because of disease. Isn't that right? Sickness and disease is death on the installment plan. Yeah. Healing is life. Is it, is it right on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to heal? I tell you what, I'm going to throw all of my money in on the saving life side. The doing good side. That's the side I'm gonna that's the side I'm gonna bank on. Amen. Glory to God. We'll be with God when we do that. 
He said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Well, they couldn't answer that. Obviously, it's better to save and to heal and, and, to, uh, and to do good. Isn't that right? And you, just, you just couldn't answer that if you're an honest person. It's just you'd have to admit you were wrong. So they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. I tell you, it's hard-heartedness. It's hard-heartedness when people's doctrine denies God's mercy to heal. That's hard-heartedness. People get up, I don't know why in the world someone would want to preach that, that what God won't do today. Preach supposedly the good news and then take all the good news out of it. Yeah, he'll save you, but while you're here, you got to suffer. You got to go through all of these things. He won't heal you. He won't deliver you. You know, he won't provide for you. You'll have all these problems in life, and that's just your cross to bear. No, Jesus bore the cross for us. Amen. And it's hard heartedness, it's a hard hearted doctrine. Amen. That says healing is not for us today. That's a hard hearted doctrine. So he looked around about them with anger, being grieved by the hardness. And God doesn't like it. God doesn't like this business of denying people his mercy and his healing power. He doesn't like it. Jesus got angry over it. Here was a man who was, who, who, whose hand was withered. I, I looked this up in the, in the Greek, and, and it says that the, the way this word, uh, this word actually means that, that he didn't, he, it, this wasn't a congenital uh, something that he had since birth. It was either through accident or some kind of disease. His hand had withered. That's the way that would read in the Greek. His hand had withered. So here was a man who had lost his livelihood, no doubt. He, 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 was, uh, he had this condition through an injury or some kind of disease or something that happened to him. And, and uh, you know, that takes, the very, that takes the very joy of life away from you when you're suffering and you're sick and you can't do what you need to do. And it's hard-heartedness to require people to stay in that condition. No, God wants people healed. Amen. And he doesn't like it one bit. He doesn't like it one bit when people try to deny him his mercy. And his, the mercy that he has for people. So it says he looked around uh, at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, now here, notice this. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now I want you to notice he didn't say, extend me your hand. He didn't say extend. He said, stretch out your, Greg, stretch out your hand to me. That's what Pastor Greg did. That's stretching out your hand. Well, this man's hand was withered. Now, he could have said, Jesus said, stretch out your hand. He could have said, well, Jesus, can't you see my hand's withered? I can't stretch it out. What's wrong with you? Jesus said, stretch out your hand that you can't stretch out. If a man's hand is withered, that means it's shriveled. Isn't that right? Isn't that what that means? It's something that happened to it. Maybe the nerves in the, in the hand had been, uh, had been severed or something, you know, and, and, or, or tendons or muscles, whatever. But his hand had, had, had withered, had shriveled. It, was, it, it had shrunk up. It was, it was drawn up. Isn't that what that means? Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Well, he can't stretch out his hand. His hand's withered. But what did he do? He stretched it out. In other words, he made the effort. He extended his hand and stretched it. Now, notice what it says. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. 
It was restored. The Greek says it was restored to its previous state, its former state. And the Greek also reads that, that it says that as he stretched it out, his hand was restored to its former state. That's the way these, these, these verbs and so forth read in the, in the Greek. As he stretched it out. In other words, he acted on the word of Jesus. He believed that he could be healed and he acted even though his natural circumstance told him it's impossible. Your hand is withered. You can't stretch it out. He went ahead and just in blind faith just did his best and it says that as he stretched it out, it was restored to its former state. That's acting on the word of God. Now notice he had to act in the face of every contradictory circumstance. There was nothing about his hand. There was nothing about his circumstances that had changed. Everything looked as bleak as it had looked. His physical condition hadn't changed one iota. When Jesus said, stretch out your hand, his hand was still withered and it was withered after Jesus said it and it wasn't until he acted in spite of and in contradiction to and in opposition to all of the physical circumstances in his body when he denied those things and just did what Jesus said, his hand was restored. Glory to God. That's acting in faith. There is no faith without action. Now, 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 let me understand. Let me show you what I mean. Faith, there's faith, all right, because remember the man in, in, in Acts 14? He had faith to be healed. There's faith, all right, but it's dead. That simply means it, it's faith, all right, but it's inactive. It's not producing anything. So there is no, there is no result from faith. Result, faith is powerless until it's acted on. Even though the man had faith to be healed, it was powerful enough to heal him, but he had to do something with it. He had to mix some actions with it. He had to do correspond. He had to have some corresponding actions. He had to do what, what uh, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, told him to do. And in our situation, in our case where healing is concerned, when we approach the Lord for healing, we ask him for, for healing, he will he will expect faith will come into our heart from reading the word. And when we know we've got faith, then we ask him. And we believe we receive it. Like it says in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. We talked about that this morning. And when we believe we receive it, then we know we have it on the inside. But it's still inactive until we act on it. You have to do. You have to act. You have to take a step of faith. Now, in taking a step of faith and in, in having corresponding actions, you must trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You must, you must trust the Holy Spirit to show you how to act, what to do. Amen. And he will lead you to do something that you can't do. Listen, don't look at what other people did who had the same situation you have. Don't look at what they did and how they acted on their faith, you'll get tripped up. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of you. He'll show you how to act. In these two instances, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul and Jesus both told these men how to act. That was the Spirit of God telling them how, speaking through Jesus. Well, he'll speak to you on the inside of you and tell you how to act, what kind of corresponding actions you, you need to take. I know this, that... Corresponding actions are different. 
The Lord will tell some people to act one way and they might have the same condition somebody else has and the Lord will lead this other person to put some other kind of corresponding actions to it. But I know this, corresponding actions are necessary. I've never received a healing in my body that I didn't have to act in spite of how I felt, in spite of how it looked, in spite of the circumstances. It didn't look like I was healed. It didn't look like anything had changed. And I had to act like God's word was so. That's taking God at his word. When we really take God at his word, when we really take God at his word, our conduct Our actions, our words will correspond to what we believe. And if those words don't correspond, there'll be no result. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. The same thing is true where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is concerned. I grew up in a Pentecostal denomination and we had all kinds of traditions. And they were confusing and kept us from really receiving from God like we should. We knew that... uh, when a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit, that uh, t- speaking with tongues goes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We knew that speaking with other tongues is the initial physical evidence, the outward evidence that a person has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving this gift from God, you still have to approach it on the, on the basis of faith. It's a gift and you have to receive it. And you receive it by faith. And at some point, you have to say, thank you, Father. I have received the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with, thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit now. But see, we were taught that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will speak. You might remember that, that, uh, that saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will speak. And so I came forward for prayer. And I came to the altar to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That was my prayer. And so I asked and people laid hands on me. And I, and I asked the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I'm expecting him to speak. He didn't speak. I said, well, then I had to gather. Well, I guess he didn't come. Because he, when he comes, he'll speak. So I guess he didn't come this time. So I went down the next Sunday night. And I prayed again. And Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. They said now, they said, well, you, you got to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Yield, yield your tongue. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Yield your tongue. And so I opened my mouth. I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to yield my tongue. And I just opened my mouth and just kind of let my tongue sort of <laughs> lay there, you know, yielded. Just waiting for the Holy Spirit to, to take my tongue and start talking. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll speak. That's what they said. Well, he didn't take my tongue and he didn't speak. And so I decided I better go back and look at what the Bible says. These people are messing me up. What they're saying is not working. And so I went back and looked at the Bible. And I noticed in Acts chapter 2, you can turn over there and look at it. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come... You know, like Pastor Angela said, today is Pentecost Sunday. Did y'all know that? Yeah, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, Pentecost, of course, the Feast of Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. And Passover, of course, was on Saturday. Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. And so Pentecost Sunday is 49 days after uh, the day of Pentecost. And so... uh, uh, or after, after, after uh, Easter, after Jesus was raised from the dead. So today's Pentecost Sunday, praise God. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit began to speak with other tongues as he gave utterance. Did anybody catch anything? That's not what it says. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit began to speak. It says they were filled with the Spirit and began. The implication, in the, if you understand grammar and the construction of grammar, they began to speak. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. They began to speak. I was told, well, when the Holy comes, he'll speak. Well, I, I got quiet and let him speak. He didn't speak. Then they said, yield yourself. And I said, I'm trying. They said, well, yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit. I put my tongue out there. I said, Lord, take it. Do something with it. And he didn't do anything. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. See, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is concerned, some people mess, get it mixed up because they're not going to believe they've received until they hear themselves speak with other tongues. Because they've been taught and accurately so, that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak with other tongues. The two go together. Just like the wet and the water go together, well, tongues and, and, and Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, go together. It's like a shoe and a tongue. That I have a tongue in each one of these shoes. Well, the tongue is not the shoe, and the shoe isn't the tongue, but they go together. And the shoe won't work right without the tongue. Isn't that right? Well, by the same token, the tongues go with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so people know that, but they're waiting on, on, uh, to hear themselves speak with other tongues. And when they hear themselves speak with other tongues, then they're going to believe that they've received the Holy Spirit. Well, they're not going to receive then because they've got the order all backwards. You believe you receive and then you act on it. Remember what? What uh, Mark eleven twenty three says, whatever things you desire. Well, that would apply to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Right then, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so finally, I, I went to the altar, uh, finally about the third or fourth time. And I said, now I'm, I'm coming back. I'm not getting cheated tonight. I am going to receive the Holy Spirit. And I don't think at this time, I don't remember 100%, but I don't think at this time I had ever read a book about faith. I had just started going back to church and, uh, and we got exposed to some of Brother Hagin's teaching back then, but I don't think I had at this point. Now, I don't think anybody had ever taught me, but just something on the inside, I said, I am going to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight and I'm going I'm to have it. And so when I prayed and the, and, the, and the minister prayed for us, I said in my heart, I believe I received the Holy Spirit and I thank you, Father, that I have the Holy Spirit. I didn't speak with other tongues, but I had it by faith. See, the tongues isn't being filled. Being filled is something you, you, you believe you receive. That's when you have it. That's when you have it, but you still have to act on it. See, I believe when, whenever you're he, believing God for a healing in your body, as soon as you pray, you believe you receive it. And as far as you're concerned, you have it. But at the same time, you, you still want to have the manifestation, right? 
You know, you're not, you're not, the, the transaction isn't finished until the, until the manifestation comes. But in the spirit realm, you have it. You say, I have it, it's mine, and you go your way rejoicing. You know, thank God I don't have any evidence, but I know, I believe, I've received my healing, I have it by faith. And so you're sure, you're confident it's yours. But at some point, you need to act on that so that the thing will come to pass. Well, the same thing is true where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is concerned. I said, I, I have it. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know yet what to do. But I said, I thank you. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, then my, my faith transaction is right. I've got it in the right sense. It's mine. But then I thought, well, what about this speaking with other tongues? Lord, now I know I believe. I, you, I know I did. I know I believed I received. And so I thank you for it. But then I noticed, and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the next Sunday night, I went up again, and I said, I thank you, Father. I will speak with other tongues tonight. I will. And so when they prayed, I had already believed in my heart I received the Holy Spirit, and I'm just waiting for them to get past that. I said, now I will speak in other tongues. I will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And just down on the inside, I just, just had a sense, just a sense kind of a, a, an awareness somehow of some words or some syllables that didn't seem uh, normal, didn't seem my normal, you know, speech or, or English or anything I'd ever heard, just some, some syllables. And so I just started saying that. I just started saying those, in those little words that just kind of floated up on the inside. I just started speaking them out. And before I know it, I'm speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Well, what, what happened? I had to act on it have to act. You have to open your mouth and act on what you believe. And it's true. This, you could take example after example after example in every other, uh, in any and every other kind of situation or need, whatever it is, it's all the same. You believe in your heart, glory to God, and then you act on what you believe. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.